0: Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey everybody, Andy Baldacci here, and this is episode number 20 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. This week, I'm talking with Ben Lee of Neon Roots, who shares how he not only did away with free proposals entirely, but turned those proposals into a million-dollar-a-year business for his agency. Practically every owner has been there before. You spend hours upon hours trading the perfect proposal and know that once a prospect sees it, they'll be begging to hand over their money. But when you hit send, you get radio silence. Maybe you hear back that it wasn't what they are looking for. Or maybe you just don't hear back at all. All those hours gone to waste. Ben flipped the old model on its head by selling roadmapping to his clients. Roadmapping is essentially the proposal on steroids. Instead of loose estimates and approximations, roadmapping is a full discovery process that gets to the root of what the client wants and lays out how they can get there. Today, Ben shares how he went from pitching for free to selling $30,000 roadmaps and teaches you how to take that first step. So without further ado, here's Ben. All right. Hey, Ben. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Andy. How's it going? Not too bad. Today, Ben, I really want to dig into all the successes you've had with turning roadmapping into a real product, the tool you've developed to make it all easier, how agency owners can learn from you. But kind of let's start a little bit from the beginning. How did Neon Roots, your agency, get started?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, my partner and I uh, came from the customer development world. Uh, We worked with lots of enterprise clients. Uh, we work for big agencies and we sort of picked on this fundamental flaw, uh, between large agencies and clients in that, you know, incentives were not aligned to create this MVP or version one as people call it. Uh, and in, in many cases as consultants, we were sort of, uh, enabling feature creep behavior and that resulted in a lot of unhappy clients, uh, you know products that were not were be, products that were being delivered uh not to the satisfaction of the client and and moreover a business that was just not sustainable um, so we really wanted to do things differently when we started Neon Roots. um so started the company in 2011 made all the mistakes you could possibly make when starting your own business um whether it was Fixed scope, fixed bid, waterfall, you know, pretty much doing everything you can to keep clients coming in and cl- keeping clients happy, uh, but realizing that we weren't really delivering value and that we were playing this yes-man role, um, and it, it wasn't doing good for anybody. So road mapping really came about our second or third year of business. Um, we had a client at the time who was going to spend a lot of money with us. You know, he was, he was a startup individual. Um, he had a, he had an enormous budget, but had, he lacked the focus or discipline to be a good product owner. And at the time we, we really needed the business. So my, my business partner, my partner, Drew and I were kind of sitting in a room one day and Drew was looking at me and he's like, Ben, don't do it. He's like, don't close this deal. Like, you know, what's going to happen. And it's going to burn out our team, and no one's going to like the project, and it's going to turn into a mess. So at that time, um, I had learned of the concept of paid discovery through other shops, um, obviously through Brennan. Um, Brennan and I had been uh, working together, and he had been uh, sort of talking about the concept of it early on when he had his first course called uh, The Master Class, So something I really wanted to try out. Um, So the first engagement was successful, and it was really a way to tell the client, like, slow down, man. You know, we can't build this bloated app that will absolutely fail. Uh, So why don't we take baby steps, and why don't we kind of take it steady? And, you know, by that, we sold our first road mapping. Um, We were able to really get in a room with him, uh, teach him our core philosophy of how we develop software, how software should be developed. Um, and it turned out to be very successful. I mean, it, it allowed us to really set expectations early on before we made that much larger commitment, uh, and everyone walked away happy and it was just this major success. Um, so ever since then, uh, we pretty much made it a prerequisite to do development with us. Um, when we get some pushback or clients that want to, you know, sort of circumvent the rootstrap process and jump right into development, we, we we just send them to another vendor. We just simply say that's not that's not the way we work, and we we have the social proof to back it up.
0: It's this it a big shift in mentality because a lot of agencies, especially in freelancers, but even in smaller agencies, they see themselves almost as like an order taker. They see the client coming to them saying, "This is what I want," and they say, "Yes, sir, let's do it." without kind of taking a step back to be like, wait a second, like, is this really what needs to be done?
1: Right. And it, it's, and all, all that, you know, really comes with the experience and the confidence. Um, a lot of this, you know, a lot of it is theory, but a lot of it is just you having to have those types of interactions. And I remember, you know, an old boss I worked for approached me a couple of years ago and was like, Hey Ben, why couldn't you build Rootstrap when you worked for me? <laughs> And and the short answer was, it it wouldn't have been possible. I needed to get screwed and burned over and and really live this life of, you know, all sorts of consulting, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to really understand, you know, how do you drive value to somebody? How do you position yourself to be this expert? The only way to do that is by not being an order taker. And it's really controlling the engagement, having a plan. This is the way we work. This is what's expected of you as a client. Uh, setting those expectations so you know everybody knows what their role is.
0: Let's take a step back and, and let's because I mean that all makes sense to me. I know a lot of listeners are probably saying like, "All right, but what exactly is roadmap? Like, how would you define what roadmapping is?" Right. So the, the
1: the easiest way to think about roadmapping is uh, what most people who are probably listening uh, have done many times in their life or in their career, which is estimates or uh, RFPs or a intro call, a pre you know qualifying call, where you're giving away any of your time for free and you're not billing for it. So some people call it spec, some people call it pre-sale, but anything that is pre-development or pre-contract or pre-engagement is what we would call and classify as roadmapping. Um, so in the case of a developer you should be charging and be giving estimates, whether you're building something from the ground up, whether you're taking over an existing product, um, there is work being done and you need to be getting paid for that. So they need to be billing and that's really essentially what, what it is uh, in the most basic form.
0: People are going to say like, why would a client ever want to pay for that? When they usually just get it for free from everybody else.
1: If what, what I, the strategy that I use is, I try to find out how many people they're talking to. Um, how are they shopping around? How long have they been shopping around? The types of vendors uh, they are talking to. And I, without taking shots at anybody, I, I, I try to point blank ask them, you know, what have the numbers been like from, you know, vendor A or vendor B? Uh, and they kind of always say, oh, well, it's all over the place. You know, we're getting lowball, we're getting really high numbers. And then I say, that's exactly the problem. Um, they're pulling numbers out of thin air that are completely arbitrary to win your business. They're not properly assessing it. They're not doing their due diligence and they're trying to win your business. And that's why it's bad if you don't do road mapping or you don't do discovery. Uh, So when I make that argument, it usually is pretty solid and and most people understand why. Um, Something that kind of, again, annoys me is when I see a lot of, especially in custom software, you see the sort of run-of-the-mill software development agencies advertising free quotes. You know, that annoys me more than anything because it's just something you cannot do. If you, anybody has built software before, you can't give a quote in five minutes or a guaranteed quote in 15 minutes. It's just not possible. And once you throw that number out, that client's going to never forget it, and you're sort of going to be in a loss. The simplest way to put it is the educational factor of why they're approaching it the wrong way, both from looking for order takers as well as free estimates. You know, we're not looking for someone to install our carpets or our mini blinds. This is a custom job, whether it's marketing, whether it's software, whether it's marketing strategies, whatever. Um, it, it's something that needs to be understood, analyzed, and we as a consultants need to try to be this vertical expert uh, as quickly as possible before we start an Inception or, or paid discovery or road.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're not necessarily saying like, if you're giving that quote in 15 minutes, if you're giving that quick quote, that quick proposal, you're not saying to slap a price tag on that. You're saying to do that correctly, there needs to be more work involved. And then that work as a product should be charged for you. You're not, You're saying you need to do discovery. You need to figure out actually what needs to be done before you can even start talking about the cost and before you need to start talking about the solution. Is that accurate?
1: Absolutely. No, I I just had a call about 10 minutes ago with uh, a colleague and someone who's done this many times, yet he still doesn't really understand the concept of road mapping or inception and said, you know, Ben, I get it. I I get root strap. I get road mapping, but I need a number you know, what's it going to take and what's it going to cost to build me the, you know, this app for that. And I said, I, I'm not going to give you a number because again, it's going to self set false expectations on this project. Um, I have not interfaced with the client directly uh, and there's just no possible way for us to do this. And if, if, if I were to give you a number, I would be lying and I'd be full of hard my language. Um, so it's, It's important that you, again, that educational factor of why everyone else is doing it wrong and why you need to be doing it right. Um, And chances are, if they are going to be talking to other vendors or other shops, they're going to be quoting them. Whether it's going to be, well, this is our minimum engagement, Uh, we price per hour, or maybe we can do this ridiculously cheap that's the context of you know different conversations of who they're talking with. But if they talk with you and you put in a little extra time, not to try to weasel your way out of answering the correct question of you know what is this app going to cost or what, what is this project going to cost, but simply saying that's not how we do things. Here's why. So if you want to get to that number, here's the plan to do that. And it's going to be a lot better than a guesstimate or an estimate. It's going to be something very close to what the cost of the project will actually be.
0: It's like, especially when most people, when they come to you, you're probably not the first agency they've talked to, even for this project, but especially not like in their career. And if when they say like, oh, well, I really need a quote right now. I'm sure if you ask them all the other times you've gotten a quote, how accurate was it? Usually it's going to be the the final price and be way over what they were quoted at or what they you get is not what you wanted at all because they didn't estimate it. Right. So this is really a way to say, like, all right, let's let's back up a bit. Let's figure out what you really need. Let's scope it all out. Let's make sure we know what needs to be done and what doesn't. And only then can I give you a price. And that price will be pretty accurate. There still might be some changes, but we'll know going forward exactly what's needed from both sides. That's exactly right. The benefit from, from your side is obvious. You're The immediate one of you're getting paid for this that you are partially doing before. And I see that the client is also going to get a more reliable... Number, they'll understand the process better. But can you get into the the benefits of how switching to this process, making this mandatory to work with you guys, how did that change your agency? How did that, what were the sort of the other benefits that came along with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the benefits were rethinking solutions. Um, Whether maybe this app didn't need to be custom, maybe there were third party tools we can leverage, maybe this shouldn't be an app. And sort of taking this holistic approach to why are we doing this? You know, what are the, what are the problems we're solving? Uh, and let's analyze every aspect of it before we agree on a project plan and roadmap before development. So it's pushing the brakes a little when most clients, uh, I'm sure most clients that everyone has in this, in this group and in this audience, uh, they're really eager. They want to start tomorrow. They want to write code tomorrow. They want to build an app in a week. They want to build in a month. And they don't really understand why they need to be pushed back a little. And what Rootstrap has done for us is allowed us to minimize risk for a lot of our clients and de-risk their product or software in a time where Startups are possibly the most riskiest thing you can get involved with at an early stage level. Um, and that, that applies to enterprise companies as well. Whether it's a new initiative, whether it's a new product they're building, um, it's extremely challenging to do this internally. Uh, when you sort of assume this role of a mercenary who's just coming in for the sole job of determining what are we building? You know, what are the problems we're solving? How much is this going to cost? what's our roadmap, what's our plan, and how do we get this delivered to you guys in X weeks or X months or whatever, people take it a lot more seriously. Uh, And it gives them a lot more insights than they previously had just circling with their internal stakeholder group.
0: My thought is, I know a lot of people have thought this as well, is that like, all right, so basically I'm going to give you Because the end result of the road mapping is going to be more than an original proposal would have been, more detailed, more kind of clear what the next steps are. That It's almost something that they could just take to another agency and say, all right, you guys have done the work. I'm just going to get someone cheap to do the rest of it. Does that happen?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and more times than none, they come back in six months and say, oops, we should (laughs) should have gone with you. Uh, But I think that's what has allowed us to be the most successful uh, with – Roadmapping and Inception is that we actually uh, encourage our clients to shop around after roadmapping just to keep everyone honest. You know, we want to make sure that everyone's making a very well informed decision whether they want to proceed doing the implementation with us or maybe they want to internalize the development. Maybe they want to hire a CTO. Maybe they want to hire another vendor. That is their decision. And a lot of that has stemmed from my personal experiences, um, you know, first working with e-commerce and technology is like a 12 year old kid and either coding myself or hiring outsource developers and project managing them. And that feeling of being dependent on a vendor that, you know, is not the right fit for you, but you're so invested both financially, emotionally, you don't really know how to get out of this relationship. And that's sort of what we preach is that we don't want people to get involved with relationships or any type of business partnership. Uh, that doesn't feel right so let's let's kind of take it steady which is what road mapping is let's make sure we're a good fit for you know each other so in many ways we're we're vetting each other to make sure that we're the right partner to do the actual delivery and implementation
0: yeah and i think that's such a different mindset than most agencies originally have cuz they don't but you're right is that especially as you move up market especially as you're working on longer term projects it's a real partnership like the agency side of things, they often will underestimate the amount of risk that clients are taking on by working with them. And especially when you start talking to clients and seeing how many failed projects they've had because of the agency, it's a real thing that, that they're concerned about. And so having these processes in place to minimize risk in as many places as possible really helps both sides. And like you said, it's a partnership and you both need to make sure you, you, you're on board. Absolutely. That's exactly right. All right, so we get we've covered the concepts. We hopefully people are on board with roadmapping. If not, I'll throw in a hundred links up to kind of convince them in the show notes. But what does a roadmapping session? What does uh, Rootstrap actually look like in practice? Like, how does that whole process happen?
1: We have different tiers. Uh, our core Rootstrap is three meetings over the course of two weeks. Uh, primarily, early stage ideas. Uh, In some cases, it's enterprise software companies looking to modernize their software. Uh, In others, it's hardware companies looking to build a software component. Um, The process always stays the same. Uh, We spend our first week really uh, doing a deep dive into the requirements and what we're building. So we're not really spending much time in design at this stage. Uh, We're really focusing on fleshing out that product backlog. Um, if the client doesn't know what that is, then we're obviously educating with them, educating them on what that is, the importance of it, teaching them about prioritization, uh, and sort of setting it all up for how this is going to work in practice once they do decide on a delivery team, whether it's with us or it's with somebody else. Um, we developed a tool that sort of guides this process. So Arbor is our... Core product. We've been dogfooding that internally for almost two years now, and now it's sort of become a standalone product and something that is a really core piece of how we guide the process. So the first week is really spent uh, just on Arbor, uh, developing a vision canvas, developing a backlog, writing our user stories, getting our engineers to do the estimation, uh, and making sure we all are on the same page of what our version 1 looks like.
0: How involved in this process are the clients or is like the work with Arbor, is that behind the scenes or where does that fit in with, with like physically being with the clients in those meetings?
1: Oh, they they, clients play an, they need to play an integral role in this process uh, and they need to know that. So both from, you know, showing up at the meetings on time to being present, you know, we've had, we work with a lot of Hollywood entertainment people. So we've had sort of, celebrity product owners try to pawn off their responsibility to their resistance, And you know, that, that stuff doesn't fly. Um, if you are serious about building a product, you need to be the one showing up. Uh, and we assign homework and we make sure that they read our scrum book and we make sure that they're involved in this as much as possible because that's the only way it's going to be successful. Um, they also kind of geek out on this stuff. They, a lot of these things are, are sort of new concepts and a new way of working with a vendor. So it's, they, they, they like it. They, they love getting involved. Um, in terms of the collaboration on Arbor and the backlog, uh, some of it is done behind the scenes. Uh, some of the more technical items, let's say like writing out the acceptance criteria or the estimations, but then we immediately present it to the client and do a review. So, uh, I would say that they, uh, they're involved. It's extremely fluid over the course of, you know, three, three weeks.
0: For people that might not be as familiar with the agile method, can we take a step back and, and talk kind of more a little bit about like what is the, the the backlog what are sort of the user stories and all of that sure
1: you know agile is is kind of this fancy term for constant communication and transparency and and very quick collaboration and iteration in in product development um, the product backlog is a living document, and it needs to be represented as such. So, um, in many cases, as a service provider, you've probably seen you know functional specs or RFPS or documents with all these notes and features, and that's okay. And we can extract those and put them in a product backlog. But the product backlog it, it's is essential for a product, but it's also important to. Educate your client on the notion of nothing being fixed. A product backlog is a living document, like I said earlier, and features can change. Sprint one, we may have a, as a user, I can be able to log in with Facebook user story. And then in, with Sprint two, we might have a totally different one that we can change. And that's okay. So the Agile framework supports that flexibility that is needed in software development. Um, so it's, it's very important out of the gates to explain to a client that, you know, we can work against a predetermined set of specs or features, which is your product backlog. But we also have to have a very clear understanding that this is a living document. It will change. It always changes. There's always going to be new features idea, feature ideas. There's always going to be feedback. There's going to be bugs. There's always going to be things that are added to this product backlog in the course of the development life cycle.
0: Before you had this tool to kind of maintain the living document of the, the backlog and kind of get everything in one place, what were people using? Like, what did you guys use before you developed this?
1: Three by fives in Google Docs. <laughs> I mean, that's why we created it. <laughs> um, I felt like there was a more professional way to communicate and, and transmit a lot of this data, especially when you start charging 10, dollars dollars $20,000 for roadmapping, we needed something that uh, looked a little bit more sophisticated. But before we had Arbor, we were just using Google Docs or three by fives.
0: Is that pretty common? Like, is that what most other agencies, most other people with agile methodology, are doing?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I at the inception stage, I find most of the project management systems like Jira a little bit too heavy. Uh, you're not when you're when you're ideating when you're in discovery you're not ready for something like jira because you need to be actually writing stories you need to be uh having completed stories rather that you input into jira so what we've created with arbor is sort of the software that lives between the inception and your project management system whether it's trello whether it's jira or whatever else like we don't we're not trying to replace the project management tool we don't want to that's way too ambitious for us, and that's not of interest to us. So it's this layer that really comes before you input your features, your specs, or your user stories into uh, a tool of your choice or what your clients use.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense because it's like the, like you said, the 3 by 5 cards in Google Docs just aren't that professional, but if you want to use Trello, if you want to use Jira, like that's almost just overkill and not really the right tool for the job. So I see how this kind of, like you said, it's the the bridge between ideation like, execution. So that makes a lot of sense. Totally. Um, but, so basically, I remember you, what you are talking about in the videos that I watched were about how having them involved in creating the backlog and creating the user stories and being, like, figuring out exactly what went into every feature made it so that if there were changes down the road, they kind of understood it better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and what again, this is another reason why we created a software to communicate these things like Arbor is to express to a client that they can have everything under the sun, but there's cost implications with that. More scope equals more money, and that's really what it translates to in our, in our interface design. So in real time, when a product owner starts adding more stories, they see their costs going up on a per sprint basis, on a daily you know, monthly run rate, whatever it is. So having them involved in it is really essential for also teaching them how to prioritize. Because whether you're a serial entrepreneur who's been doing this for years or you're a total noob, everybody has problems with prioritizing what should go in that product backlog. They think everything is really important for that first release and they're not willing to sacrifice anything. But when they can visually see that more scope is both adding to cost and timeline and resources, they kind of get in this mindset of, okay, maybe that could be a version two feature. Maybe we could rethink that down the road. Um, Maybe we could move that to the icebox for now. So that's really the goal with uh, introducing them to a product backlog and explaining what it is early on.
0: It makes so much more sense. And I think this is why it's so much more than just a proposal. You're not just saying like, all right, I'll ask you a few questions and just hand this off. I mean, some road mappings are more basic like that, but but the one what you're talking about, it really is valuable to the client. It's not just a way that you're able to charge more money. It's a way that you're actually able to back it up by delivering value that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And so, so the first week of you know, the root strap process is kind of going through getting the backlog set a lot of that. What comes after that?
1: Typically, we like to do sketch work. So that's once we've agreed on and we've established what our feature set will be uh, for our first release, uh, we like to move to lo-fi sketch work, which really uh, communicates the flow, uh, the user experience, the interactions of the app without taking it too deep of a level. So we don't really work too much in the visual language at this stage it's really just getting them to understand uh, at a storyboard concept stage what this app could look like and feel like
0: before we get too deep with this let's take a quick break for a word from a sponsor when we come back though ben's going to explain what exactly the deliverable is for a road mapping session and how he's able to charge 15 to thirty thousand dollars for his so don't go anywhere because we'll be back in just 30 seconds the Agency Advantage Podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without all the crazy fees – Where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you though, there's a good chance once you see this data you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to Hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial, and get your agency back on track. Alright, now back to Ben. And Once everything's kind of wrapped up, do you what's the deliverable to the client? Like what do they get at the end? We,
1: we tailor deliverables to what the client's needs are. So whether a client is coming to roadmap with us for the intention of finding a development team and not doing development with Neon Roots, the deliverables are going to be vastly different than somebody who doesn't have a development team, uh, needs to raise, raise a round of cash and needs a lot of more of those glam shots and click through uh, prototype material to get them fundraising. So it, it it definitely varies, and what we have learned by doing, you know, over a hundred sessions for over three and a half years now is that it 's not a one size fits all um, every business is going to need something different and understanding early on what those objectives are, and just point blank asking the client what do you need to do this for? They all need to develop something we get that, but what is the most immediate business objective after you do road mapping with us in some cases it 's raise capital some cases it 's board approval for with stakeholders some it 's going to be uh taking that and shopping it around. So understanding what those objectives are allow you to tailor a much more tighter deliverable set that they'll likely buy it onto.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually like really cool that you said it that way. Because the way I think a lot of people think about uh road mapping is they almost see it as like purely kind of productized consulting. They say like, all right, there's a set f- fixed list of deliverables, there's a set price that's my road mapping session. And that can work. But it seems like the way you guys implement it is almost like taking it to the next level where you're, you're realizing, like, all right, that does work to a point. We all do follow the same general process up to a point. But beyond that, the, the clients have different needs. And if we're able to cater to those needs specifically, it's going to be even more valuable to them.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: I know it's going to be different, but, like, what do these start at in terms of cost?
1: Uh, we go anywhere from fifteen to 30000 so uh, 15 is more of a, we'll call it a starter rootstrap process uh, or starter kit where they're getting the product backlog, they're getting design, they're getting the flow, and they're getting enough to start development on Monday. So we, we like to think of it as both a project plan uh, and a roadmap to communicate the requirements that need to get built. Um, so that would be the starter one. Um, the more advanced packages typically involved with people seeking funding. Um, so, you know, we match some of our advisors who help with term sheets. Uh, we help with, uh, projections. We do some usability testing against the clickable prototype we've developed. Uh, we do research. We actually go out and do customer development, um, we do cash flow projections, so it's more of your private incubator, if you will. Um, in that, we give you all the tools that you need to go raise capital and be successful.
0: And so, those numbers, I think, might scare off a few people who are like that's the size of their the projects that they're working on. When you first started doing this, like, what did you just immediately build bill fifteen k right off the bat, or did you work up to this, or what was that like? Um, we
1: we worked up a little bit, but we we always worked in a very specific niche of projects that were always in the six figure range. So it was a little bit easier for us to, to jump up. That being said, you know, I've worked with, uh, many, uh, of my students, uh, people that I'm teaching and working with who don't have those budgets. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually in, in, in Buenos Aires right now. And one of my really good friends does a lot of, uh, Media and visual design and experiential design with big, big brands and companies. And his typical project size is anywhere from three to five thousand. Just last year, I finally have gotten him to understand the importance of road mapping. And bear in mind the culture in Latin America and the U.S. is very different from a sales standpoint. Uh, you know, how you close the deal, the, multiple layers of bureaucracy involved that we're lucky and fortunate to not really have in the States all affect the deal. So what I've worked closely with him on is determining how can you package something that works and that you're not spending and and spinning wheels you know, all day writing these RFPs, spending hours and trying to get all these big brands and labels to to, to engage with you. So what I worked on with him is figuring out some number. In his case, the number was 10% of the project. So let's say he's doing a project for uh, Coca-Cola and it's a $5,000 engagement and he knows that he's got 20 other vendors bidding on this work. So he wants to put something out that's competitive enough, but he's not sure You know, the opportunity cost is there because he may not get the business. What I've taught him to do is take a number let's say, call it 10% of that budget, charge the client to write the RFP and you know put more time in than your other vendor would and try that approach. Um, he's implemented that in his business. He's been extremely successful with it. Some people say no, but a lot of people say yes. And the main reason is because clients take you more seriously when you don't do free work. When you tell them that you have a policy and that you... Well, credit the money, you know. In, in this case, what I've told him is his policies credit the money back. So if they're getting, if he's getting five hundred bucks to do road mapping, and the client decides to, you know, move forward with the engagement, that five hundred dollars becomes a credit. If they decide to work with another vendor, he gets five hundred bucks and he pockets that.
0: You're basically just saying like I'm I'm a professional. I have a way of doing things. This is how it works. Like you because. And again, it kind of goes back to thinking of yourself as not just an order taker, but thinking of yourself as an architect, as a true expert. And that's why clients are hopefully coming to you, and that's why you're able to charge bigger rates. So if you're saying you're an expert in this, you can't really let the client drive the entire relationship. You need to say, hey, this is how I work. If you want a good number for me, if you want to make sure this project is successful, we need to follow this path.
1: And also one, one thing that's important, Andy, is that clients don't want to feel like they're being a guinea pig. So this is like, so that this is not a new style or technique or approach that you're trying just on them. So I think it's really important that where you're putting this information, it lives on a WordPress blog, it lives on your medium, and it looks very professional, or your website, that this is the way I work, this is how we do it, here's the link, yay or nay, you know, go or no go. I I try to avoid lengthy emails and getting into the weeds of, okay, well, if we're going to work, you know, I need 10% of this and making it too confusing and they're just going to say, screw it, you know, I'm not interested. But if it looks like people have had multiple successes and wins by following this approach and process, the probability of you closing more of those deals is going to be a lot higher. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. And like, that's the thing is show them kind of that you've been there before, that they don't need to worry about how you're going to do this because you know how you're going to do it. A lot of times it seems like people coming in, even if they have a process, it seems to the client, like they're just sort of winging it and that's horrible for their perceived risk of the project. Totally. You mentioned coaching and I know you have a bunch of stuff out there that's like if people do want to kind of... Go really deep with this and learn how they can implement road mapping. Like what, what do you guys have out there right now?
1: Um, we do a lot right now. So we're working with some of the biggest agencies in the world right now uh, to help them build their own road mapping products. I think a lot of the both digital and advertising agencies are looking for innovative ways to productize their consulting businesses and they've been very dependent on the whales for, for many years and they're starting to see that, uh, selling commodities as a service business is not sustainable and that they need to start getting, in, you know, into new stuff. Um, so, you know, where we come in and how we've been helping, uh, more on the B2B side is structuring a lot of backroom coaching um whether it's ghost writing whether it's you know just setting up a slack channel whether it's proofing uh proposals uh, we've been kind of a hired gun in in that respect and have seen uh people go from straight waterfall to being able to sell agile and and uh selling road mapping with with multiple zeros attached to it so it's been it's been extremely exciting to see that uh, and also, of course, building their intellectual property, you know, whether it's software we've developed, uh, software we're developing for them. Uh, you know, I think that's definitely the future uh, that we see it is that we want to be the guys who are selling shovels to the gold miners.
0: You've thought about this much more than other people. And you, you're you right. The, the road mapping stuff, it makes sense. You've, you have the experience. You can help the other agencies Implement this because you've made, like you said yourself, you've made all the mistakes, and so it, it does make sense for them to come to you and Brennan to, to learn we, about this. Yeah, we
1: we made all the mistakes, and we have all the data. You know, we've seen so much uh, from every business vertical you can think of to the types of product owners to the decision makers to the it's it's we have a humongous repository of all root who've been through us. So having that data allows us to identify, you know, okay, that's where this person should be or that's how we should be crafting a proposal for this client or tailoring the deliverables for that client. Um, so it's been, I think that's a, a humongous value add for some of the agencies that we've been helping with.
0: Yeah, and so say we're not necessarily at the scale to necessarily work with you directly and bring you in as a hired gun. What is like a, a lower... Friction way to get some of this information from you guys.
1: Yeah, I mean we we've done one off engagements too, where uh, a client has you know a very large enterprise client or project, for example, uh, and they need help crafting something uh, in a week, and they need to hire someone to craft what that agenda looks like, and you know that involves multiple meetings with the client. We have to make decisions whether. Uh, we're going to be client facing or not. You know, in most cases, we prefer to stay behind the scenes. You know, we want to empower the consultants to be these rock stars, know how to sell road mapping and kind of, you know, create a bat line for them uh, as Brent and I have done in the past. So they can always come to us with questions or feedback and, and we can sort of uh, workshop together on, you know, how to, how to deliver the best service product. So yeah, I mean, I, we, we, we definitely have high cost engagements that, that are, you know, multi-year engagements with agencies, both from development and from, you know, a rootstrap licensing standpoint. Uh, but we also like to help, you know, the guy who's looking to get off the ground and he, he just needs something to Packaged it in in a presentation that he didn't have before, um, and those little details make a humongous difference. The presentation of how you communicate your proposal, um, being able to set an agenda to stakeholders of what the, what we're going to do, um, you know, really showing that you are in control of this engagement and you're not going to let it hijack, be hijacked from the client.
0: Yeah, and you guys even went a little further by making it more accessible with, with the latest course, so with Mastering Project Roadmaps. you want to talk about that a little bit before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so Brennan came to see me for a week. Uh, we took a whole week of filming and got to speak with industry people that I've taught to sell roadmapping, uh, people who have gone through roadmapping with me before, uh, we've also spoken with other businesses that don't even deal with digital products and how they've been able to uh, introduce roadmapping into their businesses. So we got a really nice variety of case studies uh, and content and course material that we've been since making it a lot more actionable and turnkey. So we can help freelancers, agencies, consultants uh, go through our course material and sell road roadmapping uh, immediately after. Um, We've had a tremendous amount of feedback from uh, people who've gone through the course. Uh, We've had some success stories where consultants have been able to sell their first roadmap being in excess of like six or $7,000. This is published on one of uh, Brendan's blog posts and the whole email's there. But we've seen amazing success. So it's totally exceeded our expectations in terms of how people were going to respond to this uh, it's a new concept. It's a new way of doing business. It's a new way of closing business. So we were a little, un- we were a little unsure how people would respond. Um, but it's been it's been amazing to see how much the ROI has 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 gotten or been achieved uh, simply by seeing people in the field do this every day.
0: When you talk about the ROI, I think it really comes down to a couple things. Like the. Like, you, we've talked about it all, but it's really like one, you're, you're able to now charge for time that you weren't charging for before, but it gives you a better conversion rate for getting those proposals to turn into longer projects, and you're able to charge more for those projects because you've already provided more value. Like, it, the road mapping, honestly, like for any listeners who aren't sold on it, like, it just makes such a major difference on how professionally you're perceived.
1: Totally, Andy. I mean, one thing I, I have to add, and this is something Brennan talks about in his courses as well, is qualifying. You know, I can't stress this enough how important road mapping is for qualifying people. Um, if people don't understand it, and if it, it could be you're, you're not educating or you're not communicating it correctly. So, you know, you got to make sure that you've got your your, your road mapping pitched strong and you've got, you know what you're selling. But assuming you do, uh, it's an invaluable tool at qualifying new customers uh, because if people don't get it, they question it, they, you know, they're, they're starting to say, you know, this is not what I want. I want to jump right into doing this. It, it's not a good fit. They're showing their sort of true colors before the engagement ever commences. Um, so for people who have trouble qualifying and are not sure, you know, how to make the best relationship possible with a client, uh, road mapping does that. It, it does that work for you.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, I think most agencies out there, especially, especially smaller ones especially people that were recently just solo freelancers they have more than a handful of stories of crazy so-called crazy clients who just the projects were horrible and all this like you're right this is a great easy for early way to kind of weed a lot of those clients out
1: yeah totally that's
0: exactly right and so where can people go to find out more about the this course
1: so you can go to double your uh backslash road mapping um, So that course is currently being offered uh, through that site and you can uh, we just pushed a number of updates so now is a good time to uh, check out which one you feel like might be a better fit for you. My Twitter uh, Ben at, at Benley NR um, you can hit me up there neonroots.com uh, rootstrap.IT. Or getarbor.io, which is our software tool. So any of those channels, um, I'd love to work with more and more people looking into get into roadmapping. So again, it we're always looking for ways we can help um, champion the you know the small guys as well as obviously helping the agencies. So it's it's one of those things that it, it's very rewarding when we can kind of uh, reshape somebody's consulting business and have them start making a lot more predictable revenue.
0: And so the last thing is just, what would you say to to the agency owner who wants to get started with this? What's like a good first step to getting their feet wet with road mapping?
1: Testing it. You got to just start selling and selling and interacting and trying and iterating on it. Uh, I think that having a course, uh, like you know what Bren and I have produced is brilliant but you can't just have it be theory based you need to put that into practice and you need to make sure that make it actionable and that's really what we've been focusing on the past couple of weeks in these updates so what i mean by that is you need to just start communicating with clients don't be scared don't be shy tell them your approach tell them your process test the numbers You've got to do that split testing approach with this there's no other way because you're going to start getting that feedback and that data is really what's going to help you turn this into your own standalone business
0: no that's perfect and so ben i really appreciate you coming on today
1: likewise now this was great andy thank you so much for having me
0: all right thanks a lot I'll talk to you later
1: okay cheers all right
0: see ya. Most of us aren't exactly working on projects with budgets well under the six figures, so we can't charge fifteen to $30,000 for a roadmapping session, but we can still learn a ton from Ben's approach by adapting it to our own circumstances. The proposal process is fundamentally flawed, and roadmapping helps fix that. Instead of the agency doing work for free and the client getting something that's marginally better than a wild guess, you're able to align interests and provide them with a clear path for going forward, as well as an accurate cost for getting there. That's worth real money to your client because you're significantly lowering their risk. And when positioned as such, they're happy to pay for it. Roadmapping also demonstrates to your client that you're a professional. You've done this before. You know exactly the steps you need to take to make the project a success. And you're going to lead the way to get those same results for them. Not only does this also create an additional stream of revenue by charging for what you used to do for free, but it also makes closing the deal on the actual project much easier because of all the trust this has built up in the client. You're not just another order taker looking for the next dollar. You're an expert who wants to make sure their client gets results. That's all for this week. Next week, I'm really excited to have the person who motivated me to start a podcast on this show, Matt Newton. Matt's the host of the web agency podcast and owner of the agency Tourism Tiger. He'll share with us what he learned from talking to 100 agency owners on his own podcast and how he successfully applied those lessons in his own agency. Talk to you next week. See ya.